Well, it's great to see those of you in the room, those of you who are joining online. It's good to be with you as well. Last week, we started a four-week series talking about something we all have, we all struggle with, but we all hate, and that is temptation. And I said last week, and it's true, I have some big temptations in my life that can destroy my, my life, that could destroy my marriage and my family, that could destroy our church, that could destroy our reputation, but the truth is, so do you. I mean, we're, we're, we're all tempted by things we know are unhealthy, that are hurtful, and if you think about it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, why are you tempted to do things that in your, your right mind you really don't want to do, but in the moment you're so tempted to do? Why are you tempted to do things you know can hurt yourself and hurt other people? Well, why is it so hard for you to turn away from temptation? Well, what is it that leads you to keep falling into the same temptations over and over and over again? More importantly, how do you break the power of temptation in your life? I mean... Is it even possible to break the power of temptation? Well, I believe with everything in, in me that the answer is yes. However, it won't happen by simply trying to have more self-control because there's so much more going behind, on behind the curtain of our temptations than our lack of self-control. I truly believe that in order to break the power and control of temptation, it requires something that many of us have never done before. It requires seeing some truths hidden behind the curtain of our temptations that in the moment of temptation, we don't see, don't know, or don't remember. And that's exactly what we're doing throughout this series. And to do this, we're actually looking at a crazy story recorded in Matthew 4 when Satan personally tempted Jesus three specific times in three specific ways. What we're doing throughout this series is we're looking behind the curtain of Jesus' temptations to see how Satan tempted him, what made his temptation so tempting, and how Jesus ended up defeating those temptations. Now, you got to know, the, the entire reason we're doing this series is because I believe every temptation that we, that I, that you face can be linked to one of Jesus' three temptations. And hopefully, by discovering the truths hidden behind the curtain of Jesus' temptations and seeing how he responded, we can see what's behind our temptations as well and get the strength and leverage to defeat our temptations as well. Now, you, you may not realize it, but you definitely want to know and apply what we're learning throughout this series because, as we discovered last week, behind the curtain of every temptation, there's always more at stake than we realize. So let me ask you, have you identified what's potentially at stake behind the curtain of your biggest temptation? So we discovered last week what was at stake behind the curtain of Jesus' temptation was his ability to be our perfect sinless Savior. What was, what was at stake behind the curtain of his temptation was ultimately our salvation. I mean, his purpose and, and our forgiveness, our salvation hung in the balance of what he did when he was tempted. There, there's always more at stake when we realize. See, in, the, in our midst of temptation to sin, we naturally assume all that's at stake is just right, what's right in front of us. Getting him or her, losing him or her, getting caught or not getting in trouble or not, our reputation, our fulfillment, fun, immediate gratification, opportunity, missing out. But there's always more at stake when we than we realize. Could one of the reasons we find temptation so tempting is because we never stop to think about what's really at stake. So what's really at stake behind the curtain of your biggest temptation? It could be numerous things, but I believe three things are always at stake. And those three things are our future, our family, and our faith. Now, if that's true, if that's true, is it worth you doing whatever it takes to defeat your temptation? 
I, I hope you say yes because your future, your family, your faith are way more valuable and way more important than getting whatever it is that you are tempted with. Now, most of us understand how giving into our temptation to sin can negatively affect our future. I mean, the older we get, the more we definitely understand this. The, the more we see how today's decisions don't just affect today, but follow us into and impact our next season of life. I mean, many of us are living with regret today for something we did 10, 20, 30 years ago. Furthermore, most of us can understand how giving into our temptation to sin can affect our families. Like, we can easily grasp how giving into certain temptations can negatively impact the people we love and, and, and can negatively impact the quality of our relationships with the people we love. However, for some of us, faith and temptation, like those seem like they're on different hemispheres. Therefore, we're not sure how or why faith is at stake behind the curtain of our temptations. This is especially true for those of you who would say, I'm not a follower of Christ. For those of you who have never put your faith in Jesus. You're not really sure how, you know, not really sure what you even have faith in at this point. So it doesn't make sense how faith in God is at stake behind your temptations. But here's what I know about you, regardless of where you're at on your spiritual journey, regardless if you call yourself a follower of Christ, because I know about this as, about me as well. We all have or had, we all have had or currently have faith issues. All of us, uh, all of us have questioned our faith at some time. All have issues with trusting God sometime. All of us have struggled with if God can really be trusted in this situation, in this circumstance, in, in this trial, in, in this hardship at some point in time. All of us have asked at some point in time, God, are you even there? And chances are you've blamed your faith issues, you've blamed your trust in God, you know, trust, you know, your trust in God wavering on your hardships, on your trials, on your pains, maybe on your unanswered questions. You blame it on maybe doctrinal discrepancies, maybe on something that's written in the Bible, maybe on science, maybe on some good you know, argument your college professor made. Maybe you blamed it on the church. Maybe you blamed about how someone who claims you know, to be a follower of Christ has treated you. But let me just ask you, is it possible that none of those are the primary culprit? Is it possible that for some of us that giving in the temptation to sin over and over and over again is the primary culprit behind our inability to have faith in God, behind our trust in God wavering, and maybe behind completely walking away from your faith? I believe 100% the answer to that question is yes. So today... We're going to look behind the curtain of Jesus' first temptation. And as we do, here's what we're going to discover. We're going to discover that the temptation to sin is a test of faith. Here's what you got to know. The, the writers of Scripture describe God as our perfect heavenly Father who is for us and cares deeply about every single aspect of our lives. And as our heavenly Father, God promised he loves us, he cares for us, he provides for our every need. He always gives us what we need most. But he did more than just promise that. God proved this, to, our heavenly Father proved this to be true when he sent Jesus, when he sent his son to provide what we needed most, which is forgiveness for our violations of sin, salvation for our penalty, our penalty uh, uh, of eternal death that we deserve for our violation of sin against him, for eternal life that we can't earn ourselves. See, the interesting thing is, is those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, who have asked Jesus to be the forgiver of our sin and leader of our life, the moment that we put our faith in Jesus, you know what essentially what we declared? We declared, God, I trust you. 
The moment we put our faith in Jesus, we declared, I trust you as my heavenly Father. From that point forward, from the moment we put our faith in Jesus forward, God's goal is to grow your trust in him, your faith in him, your confidence in him. Our trust that he loves us. Our, our trust that he is provider God, that he is sustainer God, that he is our perfect heavenly father, that he is the only one who can give us what we need most and will always provide what we need most. See, what we're going to discover today is that behind the curtain of temptation to sin, we're always faced with one question that puts our trust and our faith and our confidence in God at stake. And the question is, can God be trusted? Can God be trusted to meet my needs? Can God be trusted to provide what I truly need? Can God be trusted to fulfill me? Can God be trusted to give me joy? Can God be trusted to meet me in my loneliness? Can God be trusted to come through? Can God be trusted for a better future? Can God be trusted to protect me? Can God be trusted to sustain me? And you've got to know, this is so important to know, when we give into the temptation to sin, essentially, what we are declaring when we do that is, God, you can't be trusted. You can't be trusted to give me what I truly need. And since you either can't or won't, I will. I'll do it my way. I'll meet this need and fulfill this sexual, this emotional, this financial, this relational desire my way. Now, that may not seem like a huge deal in the immediate moment, but here's the reality with this. Is when we don't trust God, we don't obey him. And when we don't obey God, we stop trusting him. It's a circular thing. If we don't trust our heavenly father to provide what we need, to fulfill our cravings, to give us what, what he promised he can only give us, in the moment when we're tempted, then we won't obey him in the moment when we're tempted. And when we don't obey him, we give into our temptation to sin, and then we will stop trusting him more. We will stop believing him more. O obeying God by... Uh, uh, Obeying God by following Jesus grows our trust in him. Turning from following Jesus by disobeying God destroys our faith and our trust in him as our heavenly father. For some of us, the reason you've lost faith in God is simply because you've given into the temptation to sin over and over and over again. But for all of us, behind the curtain of temptation, our faith is at stake. In all three of Jesus' temptations, we see the temptation to sin was a test of faith. In all three of Jesus' temptations, we see the core issue was, can my heavenly Father be trusted to meet my needs? But this is especially true in Jesus' first temptation. And here's how it all went down. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted by the devil. Then, immediately after Jesus' best moment that we alluded to last week, that we talked about last week. Then, his heavenly father, the one who loves him, led him into the desert, the nastiest place on earth, to be tempted by Satan himself, whom the writers of scripture describe as God's enemy, your enemy, my enemy, the king of darkness, the father of lies, the tempter himself. Now Satan, he didn't come to tempt Jesus immediately. He waited for an opportune time. Verse two, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry 
I mean, after being led into the desert, Jesus spent the next 40 days alone, fasting and praying. And we don't know why Jesus felt led to fast and pray. All we know is that his heavenly father got him into this and that Jesus felt like he was not supposed to stop fasting and not supposed to stop praying until his heavenly father led him out. Now, as you can imagine, after 40 days with no food, he was a little bit hungry. Actually, probably extremely hungry. And in that moment, verse 3, the tempter, Satan, came to him. It wasn't until Jesus was at his lowest, weakest, most vulnerable, hungriest, experiencing enormous physical anguish that Satan showed up because he knew that's when Jesus would be most temptable. And here's how he tempted him. And he said, if you are the son of God, because that's who you say you are, right, Jesus? Well then, if you are the son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. I mean, at the climax of Jesus' hunger and need for food and craving for food is when Satan showed up to tempt him. And he goes, hey, you're hungry. You're hungry, right? You need food. Why suffer? Like you are the son of God. You can turn these stones into bread. You can have all your hunger fulfilled right now. So just do it. I mean, there's no harm in that. There's no harm in that. What we got to know is that in order to defeat temptation, in order for temptation to lose its power and control in our lives, we've got to be aware that behind the curtain of every temptation, there is a legitimate desire. Jesus had a legitimate desire. He had a legitimate need for food. And he craved for that legitimate need to be fulfilled. And let's be honest, it was just bread. And that's what made the temptation so tempting. The same is true with us. Behind the curtain of your temptation to sin, there are legitimate needs. There are legitimate desires. Our desires are not sinful. They're not bad. They're God-given. We're all hardwired with a desire for sex, success, progress, acceptance, justice, adventure, security, more. We're all hardwired with the need for fulfillment, joy, peace, intimacy, safety, food, companionship. And what happens is our unmet desires and our unmet needs create a craving within us to have it fulfilled. And that's what makes our temptations so tempting. We have a legitimate desire. We have a legitimate need. And it's just one drink. It's just one time. It's just sex. It's just a little. It's no big deal. Satan goes, hey, you're the son of God, right? You're the son of God, right? That surely gives you the right to meet your needs using whatever means necessary. Satisfy your cravings. Satisfy your cravings right now. You deserve it. You're the son of God. You need it. And you've got to understand, the real temptation for Jesus was not craving for this legitimate need to, for food to be fulfilled. That, was, that wasn't his temptation. That wasn't the real temptation. The real temptation for Jesus was to meet his legitimate need in a disobedient way. So we've got to understand and note with this passage is that Jesus, he's fully God. 
He's fully divine and he's fully man. How those two things work, I have no earthly idea. He's fully God and he's fully man. The reason he's fully, that, that he was hungry is because he's fully man. Jesus knew it would be disobedient to his heavenly father. It would, be, it would be sinful to use his divinity to relieve himself from his human suffering. The temptation was, would he use his divine power, his divine power that he had voluntarily abandoned in order to be our savior to meet this legitimate need, or would he trust his heavenly, heavenly father to provide for that need in his timing? The question he faced in that moment was, can my heavenly father be trusted to meet this need? And here's how Jesus responded. Jesus answered, it is written. And then he quotes a passage from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 8. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan, I don't need food to live. I only need the words of scripture. Got it? Let's close in prayer. Let's get out of here. Now, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. He's saying something powerful here. But to grab, grasp the magnitude and the power of Jesus' response, we got to first go back to Deuteronomy 8, really to see the context of what Jesus is referring to. So, that's what, so let, let's go back there. Now you have to understand, the events in Deuteronomy, they happen over a 1,000 years before the life of Jesus. And hundreds of years before the book of Deuteronomy was written, God promised the Hebrew people who eventually became known as the Israelites, who eventually became known as the Jews, that they would be his people and he would be their God. And part of that promise that he gave them was that he would give them their own land, referred to as the promised land. But for 400 years, the Israelites found themselves as slaves in Egypt. And the longer they were slaves in Egypt, Egypt, the more their trust in God wavered, as you can imagine. So finally, after 400 years, God sends a man named Moses to deliver them from slavery and lead them to the promised land. Well, after Moses led them out, God gave the Israelites some laws and commands for how to live as his chosen people. These laws and commands are recorded in the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures, which is our Old Testament, and they're called the Law of Moses. And if you narrow down what God was trying to communicate to the Israelites through all these laws and commands, it's this. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. And this came with a promise. He's saying, hey, if you trust and obey, I will bless you. I will bless you in such a way that everybody will know that you are truly the one true God's people and that I am your God. Well, the Israelites, I mean, they started off strong of trusting and obeying, but it didn't take long for them not to trust and obey. So instead of taking them immediately to the promised land, God led them, just like he led Satan, or just like he led Jesus, into the desert. But he didn't lead them there for 40 days. He led them for, there for 40 years. 40 years in the worst and nastiest place on the earth with extreme heat and very little food and very little water. Every single day, the Israelites, that they were in the desert, they didn't know how, what they were going to eat. They didn't know how they were going to eat. They didn't have any idea how they were going to survive till tomorrow. They had legitimate needs, and they were utterly helpless. And you got to know the entire purpose that God led them to the desert and kept them there for 40, year, 40 years was to teach them to trust him alone, to teach them that he would provide for their every need if they obeyed him alone. 
And God did provide for their every need. Well, while they were in the desert, God literally provided food from heaven for them. Every morning when they came out of their tents and they didn't know what they were going to eat that day, every single morning they found what became known as manna on the ground. And it was kind of this dewy frost that basically kind of, I guess, morphed into this wafery, bready substance. And they would eat it. And it was extraordinarily nutritious. And every day they got their daily bread from God. Now, the interesting thing was, is God told them, you can't save any of it. You can't stock up any of it till tomorrow. If they tried to stock any of it up tomorrow, the next day it had worms and they couldn't eat it. But the, every day they had a temptation to keep the manna, to store it up. But, but they had to trust God that he was going to do it again tomorrow, that he was going to provide manna again tomorrow. For 40 years, God literally provided their daily bread. For 40 years, God literally met their legitimate need for food. And they learned a valuable lesson through those 40 years. They learned, we have a need, God provides. We have a need, God provides. They learned to connect the dots that when they have a need, to trust and obey. And when they trust and obey, God provides. Well, after 40 years, after they learned to trust and obey, Moses gathered everyone together before they entered the promised land to remind them of a few things. Deuteronomy is essentially the speech that he gave the people to remind them before they entered the promised land. And in chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, Moses reminds them of the manna. And here are three powerful verses as it relates to Jesus' first temptation, as it relates to your and my temptations. He says, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. He's saying, trust and obey, trust and obey, trust and obey. And here's the promise. So that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land your Lord promised and on oath to your ancestors. And this is a key word, by the way, when it comes to defeating temptation. Remember, remember, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you. In order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep these commands, he's saying these 40 years in the desert, they were not to punish you ultimately, but to teach you to trust and obey and to test you if you would trust and obey. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither knew you nor your ancestors had known. He said, your father let you, let you experience a craving of having a to have a legitimate need fulfilled, and then he provided for that need. And why? To teach you that, and here's what Jesus said to Satan. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Moses is saying, God led you to the desert and allowed you to hunger in these 40 years and feed you to teach you a powerful lesson that he can be trusted to meet your every need and he will when you trust his promises, his principles, his truths, and you obey them. Listen, as I said before, we all have God-given desires. We all have God-given needs. Unmet desires and unmet needs create cravings within us that makes us very temptable. That's when Satan will show up to tempt you. To tempt you with his lies. You have a need, he would say. Listen, that desire, that could be met right now. That craving, it could be satisfied right now. So do it. You need to know God can't be trusted. God can't be trusted to provide 
you with true intimacy with your spouse. But I bet you can find it in them. I bet you can find it in him. God can't be trusted to heal this marriage, so end it. God can't be trusted to provide financially, so take as much as you can for yourself and think of only yourself. God can't be trusted to heal this pain, so have another drink. God can't be trusted to fulfill you if you end up alone, so move in with them right now. God can't be trusted to care for you if you tell the truth, so just lie just a little bit. God can't be trusted to protect your reputation, so fake a, so put on a fake front. God can't be trusted with your future, so just cheat just to get a little bit ahead. God can't be trusted if, if people like them more, so tear them down, down. God can't be trusted to provide manna again tomorrow, so save some for yourself. God can't be trusted so feet to feed you, so turn these bread, turn the stones into bread. And in the midst of that temptation, what your heavenly father is saying to you is, I created you. I created all your needs. I created all your desires. I am aware and I care about your unmet needs and desires. And I want to provide. And I can provide. And I am the only one who can truly, truly satisfy your cravings as creator God. And I promise I will. If you trust and obey, don't take over. Connect the dots. Listen, behind the curtain of every temptation, there is a legitimate desire. The real temptation is to meet our legitimate needs in a disobedient way. When we choose to meet a legitimate desire, a legitimate need in a disobedient or irresponsible way, you know what happens? We experience instant gratification. We experienced immediate gratification. If we didn't, we wouldn't be tempted again and again and again. But you know this. It will never ultimately satisfy you. And cravings that are, aren't ultimately satisfied grow. Cravings that are, aren't ultimately met, they intensify, which does two things. It makes you prone to, you know, uh, makes you more prone to temptation. And secondly, we've got to keep gratifying ourselves in that way over and over and over and over again to feel any satisfaction. And that's exactly how addiction happens. And any one of us who are addicted to anything, we already know that. Creator God is the only one who can ultimately satisfy the needs and the desires that he created us with. So he says, trust and obey. Trust and obey. I, I, I said before that when we don't trust God, we won't obey him. And when we don't obey God, we stop trusting him. Behind the, the, the curtain of our temptation to sin, our future's at stake, our family's at stake, but more importantly, our faith is at stake. When we're tempted to sin, we're faith, faced with the question, can I trust and will I trust my heavenly father to meet my needs? Satan absolutely knows by getting us to walk away from following Jesus, by disobeying God, that he can steal the life and joy and peace and hope and fulfillment that Jesus came for, Jesus died for, and Jesus rose from the grave to give us. So he tempts us and he tempts us and he tempts us. The number one thing, the absolute above all number one thing that I see that produces an inability with people to have faith in God, that makes people turn away from following Jesus, that makes people waver in their faith, that causes people to completely walk away from their faith, is giving in to the, is giving in to the temptation to sin over and over and over again. And that is because sin, it hardens our hearts toward God. Sin, it fills us with guilt and shame. Sin makes us prideful people like, God, I know better than you. 
Sin makes us run from God. Sin makes us isolate ourselves from people who can help us follow Jesus. Sin makes us blame God and blame others for not experiencing God. And the reality for some of us is that we have sinned our way out of knowing God, out of trusting God, and out of experiencing God. And you can blame everybody else. And you can blame everything else. But it's your own fault. And as I said last week, we will always quit behaving. We will always quit obeying long before we quit believing. Here's the flip side of this. When we trust God, we will obey him. And when we obey God, our trust, our confidence, and our faith in him grows. Our trust in him grows because when we trust and obey God, he ultimately meets our true needs. Maybe not immediately, but always, eventually, and always, ultimately. And that's when you, you know how trustworthy God is. And you know the alternative to trust and obey. The alternative to trust and obey is to give in to our temptation, which, let's be honest, just leads to a lot of pain, regret, and never truly experiencing or knowing the life that God himself can and wants to give. All right, now that we understand the context of Deuteronomy, let's go back to Jesus' temptation and how Satan tempted him and how Jesus responded. Let's look at it. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus knew that this temptation was a test of faith. So he's responded, I will trust my heavenly father to meet my need and satisfy my hunger instead of satisfying myself right now in my way. I will trust him in the hunger. I will trust him in the suffering. Satan, you will not steal my faith in my heavenly father. He is able. He is interested. He's proven. He is provider God. And I trust that he will do it again as I trust and obey. Yeah, no, by saying no to this temptation, really what Jesus was doing was he was saying yes to being obedient to his heavenly father. We discovered last week that behind the curtain of obedience is freedom. But here's the other thing, and maybe the more valuable thing behind the curtain of, our, of obedience. It is Trust. I don't know all the reasons God allows everything in your life that he does. But I do know God is always trying to do one thing in your life and in my life. He's trying to grow our trust and our faith and our confidence in him. Because, and the reason he's trying to, everything he's trying to do is for that is because as our trust goes, so goes our relationship. We know that in human relationships, but especially true with him, as our trust goes, so goes our relationship. And the more we grow in our relationship with him, the more he is glorified. And the more he is glorified, the more we experience the life and joy and peace and hope and fulfillment that only he can and wants to give. The temptation to sin, it is a test of faith. Choosing to trust and obey in the midst of it or not, that's the, that's the pivotal thing. Choosing to trust and obey in the midst of it is the one way. I think probably the most powerful way our trust in God grows exponentially in ways that it wouldn't grow in any other way. 
Do you want your trust in God to grow? Do you want to experience him more? Do you want to see his promises become a reality in your life? Do you want to have your legitimate desires ultimately satisfied and your true needs met? If so, based on how Jesus responded in this first temptation, here's what I think we do. I think, first of all, you've got to name your biggest temptation. To, to, to defeat your biggest temptation to sin, you've got to first be honest about what it is, and you've got to call it out. So what is your biggest temptation? What is it? I mean, immediately, I can guarantee right away, all of us are thinking of something. So real quick, turn to the person next to you and share. I'm just kidding. Don't need to do that. I get real weird real quick. You've got to name your biggest temptation. Secondly, you've got to identify the desire and the need behind it. Behind the curtain of your biggest temptation to sin, there is a legitimate desire. There is a legitimate need. So what is it? Is it a desire for sex, success, progress, acceptance, justice, adventure, security, more? Is it a need for fulfillment, joy, peace, intimacy, safety, companionship? Those unmet needs that you have, those unmet desires, they're creating, all their, they're creating a craving in you that is tempting you to meet it in a disobedient way. Temptation won't lose its power, won't lose control until you identify the need or the desire behind it. And then, and this is so important, you got to remember. Remember. God told the Israelites, remember and Jesus remembered what his heavenly father had done over and over and over again to defeat temptation. You've got to remember the promises and the principles and the truths of God. You've got to remember that he's proven trustworthy. And the most trustworthy way, most biggest way he proved trustworthy is when he sent his son for you and me to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. You've got to remember, but you can't remember if you don't know. And it's why I'm, I'm telling you to constantly expose yourself and put yourself in environments that exposes you to practical biblical teaching. It's why I'm constantly saying you need to be here on Sunday mornings. And middle school students, you need to be at Rooted. And high school students, you need to be at Youth United to be exposed to practical biblical teaching, to the truths of God, to the promises of God, to the principles of God. It's why I'm, I'm, I'm constantly encouraging you to read your Bible consistently and to fill your mind with his promises and his truths and his principles. It's why we try to get everybody into a smaller community of people. You know, middle school students in a rooted small group, high school students in a youth united small group, college students and adults in a T-life group, to be in a smaller community of people that when you forget, that when you're tempted, you have people to remind you of the promises and the truths and the principles of God. So you've got to remember. And finally, trust and obey. We trust and obey by following Jesus one next step at a time. And how do we know what next step of obedience to take in the midst of our temptations? We know it by asking Jesus, what would you have me do to follow you right now? What would you have me do to follow you right now? If you ask that in the midst of your temptation, I guarantee he's going to answer. And then... You trust and obey by saying, Jesus, I'm saying yes to you right now. I'm going to obey you right now, and I'm going to trust you with the outcome. I don't know what it looks like in 10 minutes from now. I don't know what it looks like tomorrow. But right now, in this moment, right now, I'm saying yes to you, Jesus.
I'm saying yes to you, Jesus, which leads to a question. How can you say yes to Jesus right now in the midst of your biggest temptation? Listen, it may not be easy to trust and obey, but it will be worth it because it's how we say no to temptation. It's how Satan and temptation loses its power and control. It's how our trust in God grows. It's how we are truly satisfied. Maybe not immediately, but definitely, eventually. I want to leave you with one final promise of God. I just want to pray this over to you. uh, That he gave through the prophet Jeremiah a few hundred years before the life of Jesus. And here's what God says to you. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never bears or never fails to bear fruit. Let me pray. God, I just pray that today we make the decision to trust and obey. To trust and obey. In the midst of our biggest temptations to say yes to you, Jesus. I'm going to trust and obey. I'm going to follow you one next step at a time right now. I pray that as we do that, God, you meet and provide for our, truly need, our, our true needs in a way that only you can. Um, that you satisfy in a way that only you can that you grow our trust in you and thus grow our relationship with you. Pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.